So the first thing about God's preparation of his people for life in the promised land was to assure them that no one would miss out. The next preparation is in providing a new leader to take them in. Uh, This is the next angle that Numbers uh, takes as it looks at God getting his people ready for the promised land. Who is going to lead them in? Because all their life, Old Testament Israel has been led up to this point by Moses. Uh, He's the one that's led them all the way from the Exodus through to this point right here, but he's not going to be with them when they go into the promised land. God has said he'll die in the desert. Now Moses has been an extraordinary leader. He led them out of Egypt. He's saved them from death as he's spoken to God on their behalf. He is this mighty leader. Pity the poor soul that's got to take his place. It'd be a bit like, I reckon, well, not as bad, but replacing Don Bradman in the Australian cricket team. That's not as bad as having to replace, but it's that sort of, who's going to stand up? Who's going to fill these shoes? Good luck to that poor soul. But this is the problem that Israel had. Uh, Moses is going to die outside the land. So who's going to lead them? Who's going to lead them in? Moses is worried for their sake, and so he asked God to provide a successor. Uh, Chapter 27 of Numbers and verse 15. Numbers 27, verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community, I'm up to verse 17, to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. Joshua's the poor guy to take over from Moses. He's the one to lead them out and bring them in. He's the new leader that the people are to obey as he shepherds them and leads them into the promised land. Now, we've just elected a new federal government. Kevin Rudd's our new leader, and I'm not exactly sure what uh, future he's leading us into, but Joshua was to lead Old Testament Israel into a certain future, the promised land. Now, you and I need a leader to lead us into the true promised land. A huge part of God's preparation of getting us into his new creation is providing us with the right leader. And again, Jesus' words from John 14 are very exciting. They're printed on your uh, bulletin for you. Just after, immediately after reassuring his disciples that not one of them will miss out on a place, Jesus spells out for them who will get them there. So John 14 verse 4, Jesus says, You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord... We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way we get into heaven. Jesus is our leader, the one who will get us there. He will shepherd us and lead us out and bring us in. Jesus will take us into the Father's house. After he's made us his people by dying and rising in our place, Jesus leads us into his new creation as we obey him. Uh, If you can remember, this is one of the things we saw as we looked at the very first ten chapters of Numbers. Uh, Joshua was to be Israel's new leader and the people were to obey him as he took them into the promised land and we're to obey Jesus as he leads us into his promised land. 
He gives commands. He gives instructions. And we obey him. And they're always good commands. They're always good instructions. It's always good to obey Jesus. I guess the question is whether we believe that. Whether we really believe it. That when it's hard, awkward, inconvenient, painful, it's going to cost. In those times, do we still desperately want to obey Jesus? Because he's our leader leading us into the new creation. He's only got good in store, both along the way and the final destination. Obedience to the Lord Jesus, it's always good. Do we believe it? The last angle we're going to look at from Numbers, uh, in terms of God getting his people ready for the promised land, is that of making sure uh, that everyone helps everyone to get in. It didn't look like they would. Uh, This is the reading that Jeff read for us a little bit earlier. As uh, the nation of Old Testament Israel stood on the border of the promised land, some of the tribes didn't want to go in. They liked the land they were standing in. And they they asked if they could just stay. I will have this land. Thanks very much, Moses. We don't want to go in. Well, in response, Moses explodes. He completely does his nana. Because it looks like these tribes are trying to get out of having to go to war with the rest of Israel. And more importantly, these couple of tribes, if they don't go across, then they might encourage uh, the rest of Israel not to go in. And we saw what happened when Israel did this last time. God was furious and made them wander around in the desert until they died. And so Moses just completely flips his lid with these guys. Thankfully, the tribes in question saved the situation. Uh, We're going to pick it up in uh, verse 16 of uh, chapter 32. Verse 16 of chapter 32, and this is the tribes, their response to Moses after he's uh, flipped his lid. Verse 16, then they came up to him and said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children. But we are ready to arm ourselves and go ahead of the Israelites until we've brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every Israelite has received his inheritance. And with this, Moses is satisfied. Uh, It's a bit like giving a blast to your kids because they've done something wrong, but then they come up with a a reasonable excuse or a solution or whatever, and and that completely solves the situation. And the point that we're seeing here, though, is that the promised land is for everyone, and everyone is to make sure everyone gets in. Just because your land might be conquered first doesn't mean you can then skip the battle. Everyone helped you get your land, and so everyone has to help everyone get their land. It's a bit like the motto for the Three Musketeers. Uh, I can't remember which order it goes in, but all for one, one for all, or one for all, all for one. Someone will tell me which way it goes. I'll go with all for one and one for all. Uh, If one of us is in, we're all in. We're all here for each other. Now, that was true for Old Testament Israel as they prepared for the, the Promised Land, and it's true for us today Christ has already secured our place he himself is leading us there but we're not there yet none of us are there yet it it lies ahead of all of us and so we are all to make sure we all get there everyone's to help everyone in Hebrews 3 and 4 we're told to look out for each other again it's on your outline for you we're to make sure that none of us miss out chapter 3 and verse 12 reads See to it, brothers, 
that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. One for all and all for one. I'm here for you. You're here for me. We're all here for each other to make sure that none of us miss out on God's eternal rest. Now, this is a mindset. It's not just a sort of a command that you do one. This is a mindset that could completely revolutionise a whole bunch of things, especially if we take God's word seriously at this point, it would change the way that we approach our church family. When you come to church, it's not that some people are going to do some things up the front and it's a show for you to watch. Coming to church is a case of taking every opportunity we have to encourage each other in Christ. And so as we talk to each other over morning tea, we talk to each other about our weeks, we talk to each other about our work or our children or whatever it is, but we also make sure we try and encourage each other and have real conversations about the things of the Lord Jesus to spur each other on in always trusting in him because church is not just a club. We're here to make sure that none of us miss out on God's eternal rest. They're big bickies coming to church. Something else that this uh, one all for one and one for all mindset will change is Uh, who we think is responsible for us in our church family. I don't know, have you ever uh, in your past, have you ever been in a church family uh, where everyone just thought that it was the minister's job to look after the church and we just sort of patted him along on the the back as as he did his job? Who is responsible for looking after early church? Is it me? Is it the pastoral leadership team? Now, there are degrees of responsibility there, that's true, but we're all in this together, aren't we? I'm here for you, you're here for me, we're all here for each other. Everyone making sure everyone reaches God's eternal rest. And so when you notice that someone's been missing from church for a while, uh, don't hope that someone else will ring them. You ring them. Find out how they are. Do they need help? Do they need encouragement? Get other people to help you because we're all in this together. And when people ring us to check out how we are, we don't need to get defensive because it's just people looking out for us to see if we need encouragement and to make sure that we keep trusting in Christ and serving him until he comes and takes us home. Now, I want to be very clear, early church, I am not saying these things, not saying these things because I think early church is a family that doesn't care for each other. Uh, I know lots of you do lots of things to make sure that none of us will miss out on life in God's new creation. I hear of phone calls being made, of visits, uh, people visiting each other. There are lots of great things that we do for each other. I love early church for lots of reasons, and one of them is this, that we look after each other well. But if you're sitting there this morning and you can't honestly say that you do a whole lot to make sure that we'll keep trusting in Christ, 
Well, you do need to ask yourself why. Because we need you. God's people. It's all for one and one for all. Everyone helping everyone make it home. We're talking about eternal life in the new creation. Now look, there's a whole stack more to these chapters of Numbers. Uh, There's sacrifices that Old Testament Israel was to make in the land. There's the boundaries that were to be marked out in the land. There's the land for the Levites. There's land for criminals. There's making sure the land won't be defiled. We haven't got time to look at them all, but I'm sure you're clear. It's all about the land. God preparing his people to go into the promised land. And as we've seen already, God's still preparing us for life in the true promised land. Jesus has secured our place. He's leading us in. He himself is the way in. He's given us each other to help us reach the goal. And we're to live with this future in mind. Turn across with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 3. I thought you better do some work this morning. So 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. In the beginning of chapter 3, Peter's been reminding us of the certainty of the coming day of the Lord. Uh, People are not going to think it's coming. They're going to scoff at people who live as if it is. But the day of the Lord is coming. And it will mean judgment for those who haven't turned back to God for forgiveness. But for those who have turned back to God, it'll be the dawn of the new heavens and the new earth. It'll be the grand welcome home. We'll enter into God's eternal rest. We'll pick it up in verse 13. 2 Peter 3 verse 13. But in keeping with his promise... We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Skip down to verse 17. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. You see, as those waiting for the new creation, as those who have already had our place secured by Christ Jesus and his death and resurrection, for those who already have the Lord Jesus shepherding us home, we are to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. We're to be on our guard so that we don't fall from our secure position. In other words, we're to do whatever it takes to make sure that we keep relying on Jesus to wipe away our sins and get us into the new creation. This is how we prepare for the life to come. So coasting our way into heaven, that's not something you'll read of in the Bible. It's guarding, being careful, not falling, not being carried away. And it's doing this not just for you, but for all of us. This is hard work. If you think being Christian is easy, I'm not sure what version of Christianity you've got. In a few months, it's the Olympics. And while there's those of us, me included, who can't wait for it to begin, for those athletes that are going to compete, right now, life's a slog. Uh, They're getting up at half past four every morning to train. They're watching their diets with super strictness. They're running, they're swimming, they're doing weights, they're doing gym work, they're having their bodies analysed by the latest technologies. They're sacrificing time, money, relationships. The hope of future glory is making them do amazing things. 
you and I have the hope, the certain hope, of future glory with Christ in the new creation. He's died to guarantee us a place. He's coming back to take us to be with him. And he says to us, trust me, I'll get you there. But sometimes trusting Christ can be hard. And so we're to do amazing things to make sure that we keep trusting in Christ until the very end. We're to do amazing things to make sure that none of us miss out on God's eternal rest. Amazing things. Because in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Christ Jesus, that he is our leader to shepherd us and guide us into your promised land. Thank you for his death in our place that guarantees us a spot in your house. Thank you that he's coming back to take us to be with him. Thank you for all your goodness to us. And Father, we pray that as we wait to be taken home, we would live active, hard-working lives, making sure that none of us miss out. Father, please give us such an understanding of the hope that you have given us in Christ Jesus, such a love of one another, that we would do amazing things to make sure that none of us miss out on the rest that you have in store. Father, we ask this, that our lives might be for your praise and glory. Amen.